This is Deck Support, the good, the bad, and the ugly of building a tech startup. Hi, I'm Sarah Hanley, and I help app founders across the world to market their apps. And I'm Rich Kershaw. I've been a tech company founder, consultant, and CTO for over 20 years. This time on Deck Support, we're talking co-founders. Do you need one? How do you find one? And how can you make sure you start off on the right track? So, Sarah, to kick the episode off, talking about co-founders, what values would you say are important to share when you're deciding whether or not you want to start a business with someone else? For me personally, openness is really important. Being creative, forgiving, non-judgmental. I like having big dreams and I think it's really important. Like it's also about living in the moment. I think pairing would be somebody who shared those similar values really because if you're not then that's when the disconnection starts to come in and you start to see those cracks in a rock I think. Have you been through the experience of uh, troubled relationships with co-founders before or has it generally been pretty smooth for you? There's been uncomfortableness in relationships. Somebody who's really like kind of aggressive sort of personality and sometimes that's just the way people are isn't it like that's just the way people are wired and you can't change that. So I've often considered it would be hugely useful in a, lot of, in a lot of situations with personal relationships if we all had, you know, men in black star mind wipe devices so you could try a scenario and then wipe someone's brains so they never remembered that you'd had that conversation because it would be so useful to just be able to throw out some absolutely repellent opinion into conversation and see how someone takes it on board and if it goes okay, cool, just to go, all right, if it ever gets to the point where you're really exercised about something and you disagree violently with me, now I know how you'll respond. Because, you know, once the cat's out of the bag, if you discover that someone deals with conflict really badly, that's the point at which it's too late. Yeah, exactly. Tech environments can be hotpot for that kind of uh, friction and tension because of the things are happening really fast. And it's very easy not to think about how you come across and kind of get lost in your own ego and not think about actually when this person comes to me I know that this person is maybe more sensitive so I want to adapt myself um, and then just choosing to know you can't control what other people think say feel or do maybe someone's having a bad day that doesn't mean they're a bad person and I get to choose whether I think that's true or not. We're thinking and talking about finding a good co-founder but we also need to be thinking and talking about how to be a good co-founder to other people as well i mean it's so basic reminding yourself on a regular basis my co-founder is a human being they're going to have bad days i'd expect everybody else to give me a little bit of leeway as a human and you're going to need to do the same for them as well because they're the person who'll understand the pressures you're under like no one else in the business will and vice versa. So vetting and making sure the other person that you're in this with is also willing and able and fully understands what it means to be a founder and that sometimes you're going to be finding it tough and you might need to lean on them. That together with a good model for conflict resolution is just so important. Does the question of co-founders come up for you often or do you tend to speak to people who've already found that co-founder and they've got the structure of the company ready to go? Amazing question. So usually people have got the structure and they've already made that decision. The people that I mostly working with are looking for investment, looking for additional funding. Sometimes in the beginning, you might not even realise that you need that in place because of the rapid progression of the project something's come up and you know you're having to create something that is totally out of left field you know that's how quick it happens isn't it you know things change so much 
a skill that you didn't even think you needed or was required, that's how you could bring it in potentially. There's all sorts of questions when you're making these choices around shared values and how you want to split equity and who has control and how you're each being compensated that I don't think are immediately obvious from the get-go and aren't necessarily likely to come up because to an extent when you're talking to someone about co-founding a business you're each doing a bit of a sales pitch on each other. I hadn't thought of it but like that but yeah it's almost like a speed dating or something in the beginning like I want to find out who's a good match for me. Yeah, exactly. You're putting forward your edited highlights in a very speed dating kind of way. That's a that's a good analogy. Like, you're not going to be like, actually, <laughs> you know, what, I'm not I'm not super organised or, you know, when this happens, I, you know, you, people will focus on their strengths. And I think, you, like you said, you only kind of understand by working someone what it's really like. How you disagree with them is super important. So, you know, talk through as much of the product and process and your go to market strategy. If your co-founder kind of brushes over those questions and says something like, oh, it's way too early to worry about that, don't worry about it now. For me, having done it so many times, I think that would be a red flag. If you've got a dynamic where that works without both parties falling out over it, then that's a really good sign. Very much like relationship advice, I'd say don't go into your co-founder relationship thinking, well, you know, I don't like this thing about them, but that's okay, I can fix that later because if you can't fix that, then the stakes are really high. And now you're the co-owner of a potentially successful company with someone you don't like working with. Uh, And that can actually be worse than being involved in a company that's not successful, because at least you can walk away from the one that's not successful. So it's pretty clear that choosing a founder and choosing whether you need one or want one at all is a decision that will affect your business for years to come. And that's if your startup's successful. And choosing a co-founder is as much down to figuring out whether you're a personality match just as much as a skills match. We spoke to professionals with experience of their own startups to see how they navigated pairing up and finding the right person. To start with, I asked Sarah Stevens, co-founder and CTO of Restless, why she views co-founders as essential. I've talked to people who are a solo entrepreneur and I've always said if you can find somebody then please do I would never recommend it if you have the same skill set because I think you'll step on each other's toes you'll always be criticizing each other because you never think that the other person is doing it the right way because you know it inside out as well (laughs) where I think it really does work me and my current co-founder is and I'm only with the technology side And he really understands the commercial side and a whole bunch of other stuff, actually, that I do not understand. And I completely trust him to own that side of things. Colin Brown, CTO of ad tech company Adimo, agrees. He'd never planned to find a co-founder, but serendipity struck. And in retrospect, he found having a business partner invaluable. I mean, initially, I'd always wanted to have my own business and I didn't really plan having a co-founder to do that. But after starting Adimo and working with Bitchy, my co-founder, for years... It's something I couldn't have done by myself. I think I'm fortunate that we have quite a a varied set of skills between us both. You know, myself, technical, Richie, business, marketing. So that has been um, very useful. So I think having a good co-founder and a co-founder you can trust has also been absolutely critical. Okay, so assuming you're not going to go it alone, how do you find a co-founder? Ultimately, there's no substitute for seeing someone in action, whether that be via entrepreneur groups, accelerators, or just plain old-fashioned networking. I've found that groups like CTOcraft are incredibly useful for building complementary connections, and that's how I got in touch with Sunil Jaiswal. 99% of the time, it's, it's an existing relationship. 
Sunil is a serial entrepreneur and CTO who's founded many companies over the last 20 years. Or it's a relationship that's been built up over time through a community, through a network. You got to know people and it's a natural progression that, you know, hey, I'd like to work with you. Let's work together on something because you then know that person. There's a high level of trust there. I can see the potential of us working together. I can see, you know, their strengths versus my weaknesses and how we could be that jigsaw, you know, make a picture together. So the issue is they have to convince you that they believe in your idea, they believe in your objectives, and they believe in your overarching aim. Ross Broadbent is a startup co-founder, mentor, lecturer, and consultant. There's a really good talk by a guy called Derek Sievers. It lasts about three minutes, and it's called How to Start a Movement. I've shown it to lots and lots of people through mentoring and teaching, especially in business. And one of the points he makes is, you know, there's the lone nut on the hillside and he's only a lone nut until the first guy comes along. The first follower is actually a type of leader. And that first follower is what will convince other people to join your movement, whatever that be. So once you've found your fellow evangelist, how do you figure out if they're the right fit as your business partner when it's so dependent on personality versus hard skills? Oh my gosh, um, I look for that gut reaction. Sunil Jaiswal again. My worst ever co-founding relationship was built on the fact that I logicked myself into that relationship. It just, I just said, no, it makes sense. That guy's got so much clout and he's got so much money. He's given me such good advice. Even though it felt wrong, I, I pushed myself into that business relationship and was not good. What was your takeaway from that experience? That lesson that I learned there was, listen to my gut. If you connect with somebody, it doesn't mean to say that I get along with somebody. It means that I think that person's going to be good. And the next business relationship I went into was literally a five-minute decision. Sat down for coffee. Five minutes later, we were potentially in business together, subject to a few things, of course. But it just like, oh, I think I can work with this guy. It's going to work out. And it did. You know, it was a phenomenally successful business. It can also be tempting to bring in friends and family. They're more likely to invest either time and money, and you know them already. But as your gut might tell you, it's a double-edged sword and it's very hard to tell whether that existing relationship will be a help or a hindrance. Try not to bring personal relationships into the business aspect of founding businesses and startups. Is that the same thing as don't bring people you know in, or is that just a matter of maintaining discipline over boundaries? No, I, I think in a way it's don't bring people you know in. Listen, I think from both of our experience, we know that we work very closely with people we've known for a reasonably decent amount of time who have ended up changing significantly and not for the better, not for positive from our own experiences. I would look to avoid bringing personal relationships into the business sphere as much as possible. In large part, one of the issues of bringing in people that you know is that you have an existing personal relationship, and it's very easy to damage the dynamics of those relationships by changing the boundaries. It can challenge a lot of the ways in which you relate to the person that you already know. You always hear stories about when you start a business with a co-founder, you just try and avoid them being your friends because I think there's obviously emotion connected to that, and that emotion can cause a lot of problems down the line. Colin's view is borne out by many. The startup landscape is littered with stories of promising young companies which failed to take off when the co-founders clashed over equity, responsibility and plain old differences of opinion. The key, whether you're working with someone you know well or not, is to have those difficult conversations up front. 
If your relationship can't weather the process of figuring out the basics, that's a bad sign for later. And getting used to dealing with friction normalises what can be uncomfortable, if this is your first time. Sarah Stevens dealt with this head on. Even though it wasn't my idea, it was incredibly important for me to be named as kind of co-founder with him. I think those open discussions are really important at the beginning because I've spoken to other people that haven't had those discussions that can sting a little bit later down the line. How can you start that without the foundations being there and knowing that, yes, you're on a level playing field, I know exactly where I'm at with each other, and also how they behave during that time, right, where you're trying to iron out those more complicated things, those awkward things to talk about, which are equity and money. And if you guys can hash that out and talk about that open and honestly, isn't that a great basis for a continuing relationship would be my argument on that. So going into things really with a policy of ruthless clarity. Yeah. And you both know where you stand then. And even my co-founder had said, because I had said, oh, um, I'm going to get a separate lawyer to review all the contracts that we have in place. And he was totally fine with it. In actual fact, he actively encouraged it, said, I wouldn't expect anything nice. Please do go and do that so you feel comfortable with it. I get why people don't want to go down those routes because it does feel awkward and unfriendly. It feels unfriendly and you're kind of trained maybe not to ask those questions. And the right co-founder will totally be on your side of it. They'll be like, I get it. I can empathize. I would be the same way. And this view comes up again and again. Clarity, honesty, and making sure that you've got a relationship that can withstand and handle conflict in a healthy way. After all, if you go into a business relationship saying, hey, we'll worry about the details later, aren't you stacking the deck against yourself and shifting the difficult stuff further down the line? This extends to figuring out the overlap between your roles too. Setting yourselves up to avoid stepping on each other's toes is a common, important conversation, and one you should revisit often. You have to be able to trust one another. You have to be able to check in on a regular basis and you have to demark responsibilities. So you are totally in charge of all the finances and I trust you to do this. And I am totally in charge of product development. And then the other guy is totally in charge of all the technical development. You need to almost have it siloed so that not everyone is looking over each other's shoulders, but everyone has some degree of progress that they can attest to. You really, really do not want to end up in this sort of blame culture because it's actually going to shatter any respect you have for one another. It will all fall apart very quickly. One of the absolute keys is clear, regular, concise communication. You really have to have some genuine respect and trust for one another. If you can't build a rapport with these people very quickly, if you can't understand that you have common goals, then it's not going to pan out very well and you're going to find that out very quickly. Taking a breath and figuring out whether you get on, making sure you're clear on responsibilities, and making sure there isn't so much overlap in skills that you'll be treading on each other's toes can often feel like you're breaking momentum and slowing things down during that critical point where you're running on ambition and excitement to get things up and running. But veterans of the startup world have seen again and again why it's so important to make sure you're checking all the angles from the start. I'm Lori Cheek. I'm the founder and CEO of a dating app called Cheeked, that's C-H-E-E-K-D. It works via beacon technology. So if you're in a very crowded space and other single people are on the app, you'll get a real-time notification that someone is within a 30-foot radius. When she founded her startup, Lori learned firsthand the headaches of dealing with co-founders with overlapping responsibilities. 
I knew absolutely nothing about starting a business when I started. So some things that have lasted over the years was starting out with the wrong support team around me. I had been so excited to get my business off the ground that I ended up giving equity to two gentlemen that both had the same skill sets. I gave them 30% equity in my business starting out and they were both business startup guys and it made no sense to have two of the same skill set and give that much equity away. Mm -hmm. What I really needed out of the gate was a tech founder. And I think that would have changed my game in so many ways from day one, because the technology struggles that I went through for the first several years of my business drained me financially and led to so many other struggles over the years. I think that's probably the one thing I wish I'd known more than anything. So what if you're already in this situation? What if you have a co-founder, you've been running for a few years and there's a little bit of friction already, and you haven't had some of those tricky conversations up front? What can you do to move things forward and turn the relationship around? Dan Smith is a consulting CTO, board advisor and executive coach, and he's helped co-founders through this situation. I try to help people look at it, take a step back if you like, and look a bit more objectively at what's been done. If you've been working with someone for several years, then the chances are that you might need to reset the context a little bit or there might be some unresolved issues to deal with. But generally, there's an overlap of, of skills and there might be certain tasks that one co-founder is more adept at doing. But there's also a, a scope to mix it up. If you are a co-founder, usually a co-owner, fairly equal level, then why not swap these things around and make sure that you do take over some of the responsibility from time to time? And that's part of good succession planning as well, that you need to be able to cover for each other. I think it's good for the relationship and good for the health of the company. Finding a co-founder and making sure you're on the same wavelength is hard, and that's if you're sure you need one at all. Maintaining that relationship takes work from everyone involved, but with the help of the community of experienced professionals around you, it's never been easier to connect with people and explore the potential so that you can go into the startup adventure prepared. This has been Deck Support, the podcast about the good, the bad, and the ugly of getting a tech startup off the ground. Deck Support is produced by Sarah Handley, Rich Kershaw, and me, Amy Lee Lecky. We'd love to hear from you about your co-founder experiences, upcoming episode subjects, including fundraising, figuring out who to hire first, putting together a pitch deck, or anything else you think we should be talking about to help startups succeed faster. If you want to share what you've learned, have any comments, or just want to tell us something awesome we should cover in a future episode, you can find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, or on our website, decksupport.net. And you can subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, as well as wherever you find podcasts. 